guys, welcome to the Living and Collective podcast, where we are inspiring and equipping women into living their full lives while working together as the collective. All right, hey guys, we are back. We are super excited to kick off Sober September with a very special guest who happens to live in Austin and we hunted her down. We like stalked her through Facebook. Her Instagram and Facebook is Think Beyond the Drink. It's Camille Kinsler. She is a PA and alcohol coach. Um, we'll let her tell you more kind of as she introduces herself, but we're really excited to be with her and we want her to kick off and kind of, you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little about you? Yeah, thank you so much. This is super fun. I love that it's Sober September. Um, I think it's also recovery month. Oh. Um, for, I've been seeing a lot of that on, on social media. But hey, I'm Camille Kinsler. I am the creator of Think Beyond the Drink. I am a physician assistant. I work um, a lot in rural Texas, um, and I focus on root cause medicine. So really getting to the reason why somebody is sick. And I am also a sober, curious coach. So I like to... Um, help the gray area drinker or woman uh, disrupt their habits with alcohol so they can live a healthier, more vibrant self. And I'm a neuro-linguistic programming coach. So that basically what that means is we really get down and change the subconscious for lasting change. I love that. That's huge. Okay, so talk talk to us about two things just for people Mm -hmm. that don't know. Um, the sober curious movement and then what that means and then also gray area drinking I feel like that's kind of just coming about so if you'll explain those two things yeah that's great okay so the um, sober curious woman is the woman who uh, is drinking alcohol in some capacity and they just there's a voice inside of them that says that maybe that their drinking is getting a little too intimate or there's something about it that they want to change. So they want to do a trial, a period of time where they don't drink alcohol to see if it increases their happiness, joy, and life. And the gray area drinker is somebody who um, wouldn't consider themselves an alcoholic, but at the same time, they um, know that alcohol isn't serving them in some way. I love that. I never heard the gray area until the last couple of weeks. And now that, you know, when you hear something once, you start hear, yeah. hearing it everywhere. Yeah. And so now I've been noticing it here and there, but I've never heard a great definition like that. So that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like probably many of us can identify with that yeah. place of just, you know, I'm not missing work. I'm not, you know, maybe I don't think I'm engaging in risky behavior, but I'm not fully satisfied. There's something in me that feels a little bit off when it comes to my decisions or maybe I'm not behaving the same way that my goals are or there just something is not yeah. in alignment in that area. Yeah, I, absolutely. So drinking is on a spectrum like everything. So you have the person who you have, yeah, on one side of the spectrum, they may uh, be drinking to wake up in the morning. And then you have the person on the other side of the spectrum that's having a glass of wine only when they go out to eat at a really nice restaurant. And they don't like the way they feel the next day after they have that glass of wine. And then there's everybody in between, and uh, and then that's where I was. I fell like in the in the in between. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your personal story and how you became? Yeah. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. It's over. 
Um, so it's funny. So I usually call myself alcohol-free versus sober, although I, I think like that, that sober is pretty, like, a cute, succinct name. Like, you know what that means. But um, so I have been alcohol-free for two years. I started off... I always say that my story around alcohol is long and boring. I didn't lose my family or you know lose my job. I'm actually you know like I said, I have a master's in science and physician's assistant studies. I have two kids, um, all of these things that were going really well in my life. But I always drank at um, <clears throat> at all periods of my life. So when I was in college, I would drink and went through the whole um, fine wine stage and then craft beer stage and then craft cocktail stage. And then when I had my first child seven years ago, I brought alcohol into the house. So my husband and I would have um, cocktails uh, or happy hour on the back porch. And then that became something that I would pour a glass of wine when I was making dinner. <clears throat> and then that bottle of wine would be depleted by the time my husband got home around 7.30 or 8.00. And it just became a really, um, it became a, a, uh, something that I was depending on. It became a huge habit within my life. And so I always joke, like, the more kids I have, the more I drink. Um, luckily, I only had two. And, uh, and, and then at one point, I woke up uh, to my habits when I was sitting on a boat um, in the British Virgin Islands with my best friends and just the most pristine um, area of the world, and I was hungover. And I just looked around, and I was just like, I can't believe that I'm spending, gonna spend the next few hours with this dull headache and feeling really tired. And so when I got home, that was May 29th of 2017, I was like, I'm gonna go 100 days without drinking. And then six weeks into that is when I really woke up to how pervasive alcohol is in our society, and, um, and how, um, and how just more alive, awake, excited I was uh, to play with my kids, <laughs> to be a part of my society, to be a part of society, to work with patients. And so what's really kept me alcohol-free for the past two years is the curiosity of what more life has to offer. I mean, I know what life was like when I was drinking wine um, in the evenings, but I don't, you know, because I did that for 20 years in some capacity, but I don't really know, like, what life is like if I continue on this trajectory of not drinking. That's interesting to put, like, that timeline on it, because really, like, we have been drinking for so long, so to be like, gosh, I should match that. I'm going to do 20 years without yeah. it and see. That's so interesting. Yeah, that is, and like everything, if you actually, as we get older, when you do, when you actually look at how long you've been doing a certain pattern, then it's something that can really open you up to recognize that it's harder to break than just, I'm going to stop eating sugar today, or I'm going to stop drinking alcohol today. And we really have to look at those patterns. Mm -hmm. And I love that word curious because there's such a positive connotation to it. It is inviting more. So I think a lot of times when we even think for a hot second about what would my life look like without, and it just kind of is that, ah, wait, I don't want to take anything out. So that curious is really this invitation to bring something in. And I think that's what's so exciting is women to potentially, I love that you asked, that you were curious and yeah. you had this question, well, what would my life be? What more would my life be if I didn't, if this wasn't clouding my experiences mm -hmm. or, yeah, that's a great positive, such a positive spin because we are, what are, what are we missing out on by exactly. being anesthetized yeah. regularly? Exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, and this is what I always tell the um, women in my groups is just to stay open and to stay curious. Because when you remove something that's been a crutch in your life, then things are going to come up. Emotions are going to come up. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe uh, events that you were trying to suppress are going to come up. And now just be curious to do it, to it. Lean into it. What does that mean? What does that mean in my life? What is it telling me? I love the idea of like actually handling your emotions when you would like previously turn to drinking. Like if you're really stressed and you're just numbing that out versus like, okay, I'm equipped to do this, like handling it, going through the, all the emotions, the spectrum and knowing that we are meant to do that without alcohol. Yeah. Um, instead of just grabbing the drink and kind of like numbing out to all the, the things and we have to face hard things. I mean, we're in that, that time. Um, so I'm curious, like a lot of people, when they say, you know, I'm going to give up drinking or I'm going to go through it a period of time. Um, and as nutrition coaches, we talk about, we really try to steer people away from the restriction mentality. Mm. And I just was talking to another woman who's been sober for eight years. And she said, you really just have to think about it just one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think about like far things out, like what about when my kids are in college and they come home and like, I want to share a glass of wine with them. And I'm like, okay, Lacey. That is so far away. Just think about today. Like, what are the choices you want to make today? Um, Because I think most of our peers, probably, the idea just instantly goes to the restriction in their mindset, and that just freaks people out. What do you mean? I don't know if I could ever do that. So what are your tips of kind of, like, breaking that down into the women that would feel like that right off the bat? So definitely the old adage. I think that's from AA one day at a time, and Mm -hmm. I think it does ring true with pretty much everything. Um, but when you're looking at quitting drinking or taking a break from alcohol, is um, there's never the, a good time for it. It's just like being pregnant, right? There's never a good time to be pregnant. Um, and so we, it was with myself included, I was thinking of the, the time, the plan that I have to go to Paris in five years. I mean, I don't even have a plane ticket. I didn't really have like the destination. I didn't have anything solidly planned. But that's what I thought too. Well, what about in five years when I want to take that trip to Paris and drink wine in a cafe on the street? Right. And so definitely the one day at a time, but it's also changing your mindset. So if you're going to go to that, um, that work event or that party or that, um, you know, down the street to one of your girlfriend's house, is that you're choosing to not drink. You say, I'm choosing not to drink today. I'm choosing to be connected to my friends. I'm choosing to be curious about what our relationship is without alcohol. I'm curious to see, um, to see, I'm, this is my choice. It's not something I have to do. It's something that I'm choosing to do. Mm-hmm. So I think it is all about the mindset, is really getting your mindset clear that this is something that you're, that you're, wanting, that you're wanting to do, not having to do. That's a big difference. I mean, when you feel like you're in control, and we kind of talked a little last week, we kind of just did an intro to Sober September on our podcast and talked about those relationships and the connection. I love that Mm. word you use, connection, because so often our, in quotes, connections, if they revolve around these experiences that aren't even completely um, real, you know, where how many of us, we probably all have had a deep conversation with someone where in the back of your head, you're thinking, are they going to remember they told me this tomorrow? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. am I supposed to act like I know this or don't know this? So like what, right. how, what would that look like to engage? I mean, I think that's probably why a lot of us drink around social events because connection can be scary. Yeah. And so what does that look like to be vulnerable and to truly ask yourself, what, what are the relationships in my life really consist of? Yeah. I mean, it's, not easy, but it's a beautiful question because it can really make your life 
that much sweeter and deeper if we can learn how to connect with each other. Yeah, and learn to laugh at yourself because you're going to say some awkward things, but you can just be like, whatever, and these are my friends, so I Mm -hmm. can say these really goofy things. And and then the other thing is that usually when we go out and we have a night with our our girlfriends, the next day we might feel depleted because we're tired or we're just flat out hungover. We might have a headache. We don't feel well. We're feeding the, the empty void with foods that we wouldn't normally eat. So we're actually depleting ourselves versus if we didn't drink and we have that connection, then we wake up in the morning and we're invigorated and we're excited. We remembered everything that happened that night. Yeah. That's the best feeling. And I think we've said before, like, <laughs> we've never woken up yet where you wake up in the morning and you think, man, I wish I had just had, like, one or two more drinks last night. Right? Exactly. It's never that. It's never it's that. Only the opposite. <laughs> it's so I actually told my workout group this morning because they were like, oh, it's so hard. And I'm like, well, it's one hour of kind of, like, pain for, like, a day or two of just, like, euphoria. And I was like, it's kind of the opposite of drinking where you have like one or two hour euphoria, like days of pain. So I was like, it's just, just interesting. So one of the things that I, um, I have women do when they're looking at their relationship with alcohol is that is saying when they, when they say something, um, for example, that they drink to relax, then I say, let's look at how many minutes or hours you're actually relaxing with wine. And then how much time you are recovering from that moment of relaxing Um, because a lot of people women are in in our society have um, increased anxiety just from all of the things that we do as moms and women and so after you even have a couple of drinks and the next day you can have rebound anxiety and so are you really relaxing relaxing or are you really making things worse for the next day Mm -hmm. so you know, looking at that and your relationship with alcohol, I think is a really, how long that these things like it's, it makes me happier or more relaxed or more fun for how long does it actually do that? Yeah. Almost like a cost to benefit ratio. Like how, what will this cost me this moment or evening of, well, along those lines, we feel so extra lucky to be able to speak with you because of your knowledge as a physician's, Mm -hmm. physician's assistant, you know, all these medical things that, when we did our little just kind of conversation on alcohol, a lot of people wrote us later and said, I want to know more. How does it affect specifically a woman's body? Mm -hmm. So our community, they're interested in getting healthier. They might be having some hormonal imbalance. Mm -hmm. Our metabolisms, we're getting older, so they're not functioning how they used to in our 20s. How is alcohol affecting us on a more medical, biological level in ways that the marketing probably isn't sharing so much with us? I, you know, I think one of the most staggering statistics that I've learned is that three drinks a week increases your risk of breast cancer by 15%. That's three drinks a week. And so what moderation is it, for women is one drink a week, or one drink a day, sorry, so that's seven drinks a week. And what, if you look at breastcancer.org, if you go to their section under alcohol, if you drink one more drink per week than the than the three, it increases your risk by 15 more percent per, per additional drink you have. So I'll repeat that. So um, if you drink three drinks per week, it increases your risk of breast cancer by 15%. And if you drink an additional drink on top of that, it increases your risk by 10%. And this really touched home for me because when I was 40, I had my first mammogram and I had an abnormality. 
So then I went in and I had two biopsies and it came back uh, positive for ductal, ductal cell carcinoma in situ. And it's a stage zero type of cancer. Um, but when I was doing the research on it and really looking up prevention for breast cancer or the increase, how more prevalent it is for women to have breast cancer, and then when I saw that you actually should not drink at all if you've ever been diagnosed with breast cancer, I was shocked because I know so many women who do, um, who do drink. But also, not a lot of women know that statistic, mm -hmm. and it's not something that your, your medical provider tells you, nor... Um, when I went to the oncologist, she didn't raise, she didn't speak to me about those statistics either. So I think that was, that's huge. I think all women should know that. Um, and then hormones, yeah, it absolutely disrupts our hormones. The other thing is, is that um, we spoke a little bit about this earlier, but our women have this amazing intuition, or this connection between mind and body, and when we drink alcohol, we blur that. We numb that connection between how we're how we're feeling, that gut instinct, um, and we also can do that when we are trying to figure out if we if we're numbing that that instinct that we have we might be numbing what our body is trying to tell us when something is wrong and then as we get older more things can go wrong and so if we're feeling tired and sluggish is it because of the alcohol or is it because we need to get a checkup you know and from like a mental health perspective i know a lot of us uh almost self-medicate, right? Like we're feeling their anxiety is super high right now. Depression is super high right now. So how does taking an anti, how does taking mm -hmm. a depressant, which alcohol yeah. is, how does that affect already our mental health struggle, which is so big in this particular community of women? Yeah, that is such a good question. So when you diagnose depression or anxiety in the DSM-5, which is the book that's used for um, psychiatrists to diagnose any mental illness. It says that you must remove alcohol and drugs before you're able to diagnose somebody with bipolar, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, anything. And um, and it's not something that we typically really dive into as, as primary care doctors to see what your alcohol intake is. So first off, that, um, because sometimes if you remove alcohol from the equation, then your your hormones become more balanced and your the serotonin uptake, the neurotransmitter uptake and all of that sort of start balancing out and you don't need a medication. But if you do, then, then using alcohol can make it really hard to dose medications. And so we're increasing it and then we're decreasing it, which is really hard to get the, the, right, um, the right medication and dose when you're drinking alcohol too. So it just makes the whole thing way more complicated. Yeah. Okay, so sense. to your point before, and I've actually had friends, family members, similar breast cancer stories, and their doctors aren't saying anything to them about yeah. it, or even primary care physicians and, um, you know, a lot on the intakes that'll be like, how many drinks do you have per week? But no one ever brings that up or talks about it. And I think it is a big problem, especially with how normalized yeah. drinking is in our culture. How do you feel about that? Uh, and maybe it's because the doctors themselves, in fact, yesterday someone told me their OB said, oh, well, um, oh, I, like he was justifying his own drinking yeah. when she said she wasn't gonna be drinking anymore. Yeah. Like he, she's like, it was such a weird reaction. Like, he should have been supportive of my choice to abstain from alcohol, and I just find that fascinating as doctors. Yeah. Yeah, doctors drink, too. Yeah. So doctors are people, and they have very stressful jobs, and they drink, too. Uh, 
that's another really important thing is that when you're looking at breaking your habit with alcohol is to, if you're talking with a therapist or a counselor or a doctor, it's okay to ask what their relationship is because we're very protective in our society of our of our booze. We are. It's yeah. like our guns and our booze. <laughs> like right. those two things. Um, and so people, um, and so pe- when somebody, uh, when somebody may see somebody um, actually being bold and brave enough to break up their relationship with alcohol, it can reflect back on them. And, and so that might be one reason, like they're justifying their drinking. Like it's okay to have a few glasses right. of wine. This research actually isn't brand new, so I just feel like it's not disseminated to the providers that mm-hmm. need to know it, and that's my next mission is to is to do that. I love that. Um, so I think that that's because we're always receiving new information and there's new research out, but this is actually pretty old old research. And the other thing is that there have been multiple studies that continuing continuing continue to link alcohol and breast cancer. And so it is, um, it's becoming a little bit more than just causation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean, it is definitely going to be my next mission to have that commun- talk within my community about how we really need to talk about what alcohol affect us. But the sober curious movement that we were talking about earlier, which I think is um, so beautiful that we are having these conversations and doctors need to have those conversations with their providers too and know that it isn't this rock bottom, you know, low bottom drinker, that there is this spectrum and having that open conversation with, is it serving you? Do you need direction into a group that isn't necessarily an abstinence only for the rest of your life program, that a community supported woman pro, woman-based program, you know, know that these things are out there so you can um, direct them to some place that would be helpful. Yeah. I love what you said, this changing the habits of alcohol as opposed to like going sober, I don't know, it sounds like yeah. less harsh, but just like, do you need to change your habit of alcohol? What are some, I think, I think the word alcoholic, and we don't have to dive into like yeah. the structure of that, but people like look, see a star is born and they're like, oh, well, I'm not like Bradley Cooper yeah. and I'm not like Paul. I mean, there's a lot of really high functioning totally. people and they're like, I'm fine. I, I still do life just perfectly great. Do you have any kind of like markers that you talk to people about? Okay, these are a few things that or red flags that might give you an idea that you might want to change your habits with alcohol? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the biggest thing is that if you're listening to this podcast or you've picked up a memoir or gone onto a, a, an Instagram feed of somebody who doesn't drink, that's piquing your curiosity. And if your curiosity is piqued, that means something inside of you, that intuition is telling you that maybe it would be a good chance, a good time to do a break from alcohol. And I always say uh, 100 days, because as much as we think 21 days to make or break a habit, it actually isn't. It's the how many times you're actually doing that habit mm-hmm. will break the habit. So if you're doing, if you're breaking a habit of, I don't know, not drinking sodas and you drink 10 sodas in a day, then you're, you know, you're going to have results more quickly than, um, yeah. Than if you, uh, then with, with, you know, drinking or changing your eating habits. So it takes longer than just 21 days to break a habit. Plus, um, to regulate your hormones again, it takes around 90 to 100 days. It actually can take up to, up to two years to completely regulate your neurotransmitters and get everything back to homeostasis again, a baseline, a normal baseline. 
Um, and so you don't know that if you just do a 30 day cleanse, you're feeling, starting to feel really good. Right. And then you're excited. You're proud of yourself that you did it, but you really haven't enjoyed the benefits of not drinking, you know? So when we're talking about habit formation, um, when you're creating a new habit or breaking an old one, you want to make sure that you have something that's easy and that's fun and enjoyable because if you don't have those aspects, then you're, it's not going to last. Mm-hmm. So when you're breaking your habit with alcohol, you want to give yourself these little treats at the end of the day. You know, it can be anything from saving money. Oh, I would have bought a $20 bottle of wine. I'm going to put it in a piggy jar and get that really awesome you know, leather coat for winter or you taking a nice bubble bath or slipping into some really sexy sheets. So really want to like treat yourself at the end of the day, maybe not so much with food, but, um, and then, and then when you get to around 30 days and you've already created these better habits, you won't need that as much because you'll start feeling the effects of more energy and mm-hmm. more vitalized and shinier, brighter skin. I mean, not drinking is like the cheapest way that you can look younger. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> totally. Come on, people. <laughs> it's free. Yes, it's free. That's so interesting because, like, the first month that I stopped drinking, um, I was, like, crazy about mocktails. Like, I was, like, all in. I mean, I was up all night every night because I would drink, like, 10,000 sparkly waters with kombucha or whatever at night. And then I don't know what happened, but it was actually right around the 30-day. I just kind of stopped doing that and, like, just got busy. And then, like, a few weeks after that, I was like, oh, I don't even need that anymore. Um, But at the time, it was kind of my replacement to just just to have – that and it and I wasn't even an everyday drinker so I don't know why I chose to do that every day but it was just like my little treat you know Mm -hmm. that I enjoyed and oh I get to make this and it felt good and it was just like such a passing moment yeah I love the hundred days Mm -hmm. and I love before the podcast started we had talked about habits Mm -hmm. how we tend to be really intentional with our habits when we're talking about maybe a fitness goal or a financial goal or your nutrition goals like Mm -hmm. we're gonna Clear the pantry, throw away the Oreos, throw away the... But with alcohol, you were saying how it was such a great point. We often tend to just do the same routine. Mm -hmm. So as women, a lot of times that looks like picking up the kids from school, coming home, making dinner. We're in the kitchen with all our glasses and we see the bottles and it's just kind of that rote. Like how do we break those habits? How do we create a new habit around the activities that tend to be associated for us personally with drinking? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, to that point, we try harder, not different. So we think that we can just say, I'm not going to drink for the week, and then we're doing the same habits, and we see the same cues as the refrigerator and the glassware, like you mentioned. Um, and it's really important. It's, it's, so usually during the first couple of weeks, I tell people to just change their their whole evening routine. And that might mean when it's cooler in Texas <laughs> is you're taking your kids on a walk and they're eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches during that witching hour. Cause typically people have like five to six or, you know, three to, you know, seven, basically a time of day where they are used to opening up their bottle of wine. And so do something different during that time, have a carpet picnic, order out. You're not going to want to do it forever. It's not going to ruin your family. It, that they're eating popsicles in the bathtub at five o'clock. It's not. You just have to switch it up. Another really good trick, and this is actually kind of fun, is you can rearrange your kitchen. You know, you can put your glassware in different in different cabinets. You can buy really beautiful 
um, seasonal plateware and have that that you can pull out where you would normally have your, your drinks. You can remove alcohol from your house depending on like how drawn you are to it. Um, but really just kind of get creative and don't feel like you have to stay stuck in these same routines and you can always change it back later. But you just want to have your mind, you actually just need to think about what you're doing. We do almost everything on autopilot from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed. So it's also a really good um, technique of, to write down all of the things that we do without thinking about them. And then alcohol is in there. And so we just mm -hmm. have to switch that up a bit. And that dives into the subconscious that you were talking about your coaching method. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that actually is really a lot of the identity. So when people have an identity around something where I'm the sugar aunt, I love to eat sugar, I can't, that's just who I am. You know, I've always loved sugar. My parents told me I had a sweet tooth, right? So it's the same thing with alcohol. I need alcohol to relax at night. Um, I need wine. Like, that's just who I am. I'm the woman who knows all about rosés. And, um, and so that, that really is working on the subconscious level of what is the positive intent behind that identity. So what's the positive intent behind being the, um, the woman who needs to drink wine at night, right? Is that positive intent security? Is that positive intent, um, you know, connection with others? So really what is that? Because if you can figure out what that is, then it's a lot easier than to help replace it with something that's um, not a toxin. Yeah. That makes so much sense that we have these deeper connections than we even might understand until we take the time to dive deeper yeah. and I think then we superficially still reinforce with each other as women you know yeah. oh my gosh parenting is so hard I can't do it without a drink oh my gosh my kids are so xyz oh my gosh by the time my husband gets home and so I think we're just it's just kind of a haha -ha, but we kind of don't even realize that we're reinforcing these negative beliefs in our community by the way yeah. and not to get too picky because it's funny and it, like we yeah. want to be we don't want to be judgmental and we're all at different places on our journeys Absolutely. but if you sit and listen as women we do just reinforce those mm -hmm. beliefs that life is too hard parenting is too hard we can't we can't do it without a little help or yeah. we deserve it at the end of the day so even replacing those things the, with the treat like I deserve it well yeah life is hard it would be nice to have an adult treat so yeah. let's let's think of how we can still you know, whether that's a really good chocolate or the sheets, I love those things, the hot bath, yeah. um, reading a book that's just for fun, it's not... Hey, but the biggest thing is we want to get away from adulting. We're like, I'm done adulting. Yeah. Well then, act, treat your kids like you're the babysitter. I mean, really, it's not going to ruin them to watch TV at five at night and eat, <laughs> eat you know, eat dinner on the, on, the, on the carpet, and actually they'll love it. You know, I um, did for a while where I put on headphones when they're in the bathtub and I would, um, you know, have my little silent disco and because I didn't hear them, I knew they were safe, I could see them, but I couldn't hear them. And so it gave me that time out and I would, you know, dance around and sing and then they thought it was hilarious. You know, it's just these like little things to shake things up because again, we have to try different, not harder in anything that we do in any way. I love that. Try different, not harder. Mm -hmm. And I think we also forget like alcohol is an addictive substance, yes. right? Like that is yeah. something I feel like that isn't talked about a lot. And I mean, it is, I, I read something, it was like people always like over the span of time tend to drink more, not less. Mm -hmm. Like if you look at yourself now and think, okay, five years ago, yeah. most people are drinking more than they did five years ago. Um, so I would love to dive into the moderation piece with you. I'm going to okay. just kind of like sure. hop around. 
Um, how do you feel about moderation? Um, I feel, you know, we hear all the time, just like you said, well, I'm going to try not to drink this week. I'm only going to drink on Saturdays, this and that. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. So I think that giving yourself a really long break, like 100 days, is really important. And then you need to journal it to see kind of how you're feeling and how you're coping with life and if it's fun and if you're able to relax and connect. So um, so doing that for 100 days. And then if you want to then add alcohol back in to see how it affects you, your well-being, um, and then to see if you do fall back in the patterns. It's really hard to break a habit forever. It's kind of ingrained in us, so mm -hmm. once we start it again, we usually pick up back where we left off. And again, alcohol is an addictive substance like you mentioned, so because it's addictive, then we build a tolerance and we can get back up to that tolerance pretty quickly when we stop drinking. So we might be like, oh, I'm a lightweight, I can only drink, I only have one glass now, and and um, and then that's what we do for seven to you know twenty days or something, and then and then we're we're drinking back um, normally again. With that said, in the past two years, I've had probably a total of two drinks, um, so like sips here and there. But I intentionally had two different drinks at two different times. And what I did during that time is just to check in to see how it made me feel. So. I mean, I don't think it was probably that much fun because the whole time I'm like, and now, and how do I feel now? And <laughs> <laughs> my husband said the look on my face the entire time I was drinking that glass of wine was like, he was like, you were going through this internal battle. <laughs> like the total opposite of what you would normally want to do when you're drinking you, a glass exactly. of wine. <laughs> but it was good because um, because I was able to create these new boundaries on what when I would drink and I wasn't going to drink for anything, any emotion but happiness. And when I'm happy, I don't want to drink. Or when I do, then it brings down that vibration. I'm just not as, like immediately, I'm just like, why did I do that? Why did I have those three sips of wine? I'm tired. And um, so it changes that. So moderation, um, you have to play with it as an individual. You have to see what's right for you. You know, there are the addictive genes. There are certain things that can be turned on to where when you have just one, then you're back up to a couple of bottles. It just depends on you individually for that. But most of the time, once we can just not have to think of, about if we're going to drink tonight or not, we open ourselves up to uh, so many other things that we can do. Mm -hmm. You know, our world opens up when we um, when we don't actually have to decide whether or not we're going to have a cocktail tonight with friends or even um, a nightly glass of wine if that's what we're we're into. You know, so. Because then it still has that power over you because it's yes. taking up all the brain space. That's yeah. kind of where I am. I'm thinking, like, I don't even want to make that choice because, A, I haven't come to a point yet where I have wanted a drink. But then I don't want to, like, set those moderations in place because then I'm going to be like, well, what day of the week am I going to drink? And just, I don't yeah. even want to think about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure you've read the book Naked Mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I love her subconscious thinking of those yeah. two. And we're going to highlight that this month during sober September. Um but she, I totally lost my train of thought. I don't even know. I'll come back to it. Because <laughs> like, it's really good. We, we do this all the time. We're very gifted. I'm like, wait, Christy, I always do I said, this. Normally I would have known what you were talking about. I know. But I think I was thinking about, oh, yeah. I need to, oh, well, she, okay, she talks a lot. Yes, she talks a lot about kind of the brain space and yeah. her, but she doesn't truly believe in moderation just because then you're not actually having the true freedom from it, yeah. which you're trying to get. I mean, um, and even the podcast that you sent, which kind of spiraled my whole thinking around alcohol was, 
thinking about alcohol, and we brought it up last mm-hmm. week, like bananas or like a sandwich. You should think about alcohol as much as you think about having a sandwich. Sometimes you want it, sometimes you don't, but you're not thinking every day, do I want a sandwich? Can I have a sandwich? Um, I told my friend this weekend, we were at the Texas game, and I was like, think about if we talked about it like in terms of bananas, and you're like, okay, I'm not going to go all week without eating bananas. I'm going to have two bananas on Friday. Like, you would look at me and think, you're crazy. You have a banana problem. Yeah. Right? It's like, right. if you put anything else in that place, just the way that we talk about it, and I feel like we openly talk about it more and more in order to normalize it. Yeah. And kind of like, well, if I just tell you I'm having a roadie right now and I'm going to go do this thing and I'm going to go have wine at lunch, it's me telling myself it's okay and I'm just like calling myself out to you yeah so yeah oh yeah I went um one of the first and dinners I had with this couple that my husband knew I remember at dinner I I announced to the table that I just love wine and I did that because I knew I was gonna have more than just a glass of wine and so I just wanted everybody to know that right. I love wine <laughs> yes so that's why I'm drinking it but I think to your point with that as well as um when we talk about bananas when we also People tend to say, well, I just love the way that wine tastes, right? Well, you know, I love the way that, you know, some teas or kombuchas or other mocktails and things taste as well, but I won't drink more than one. Right? Typically, you don't drink more than one. I love chocolate milk. I love it. Right. Makes my stomach hurt, but I love it. But I would never drink more than one, right? And so so people just really need to see, like, what, what is that? Why is it that you won't, that's the only thing that you'll drink multiples right of. so there has to be sort of that that you know that addiction component it makes you thirsty so you want to drink more but then it also is doing something else with your brain chemistry yeah and people do think about the health aspect of a lot I mean a lot of women now wouldn't drink juice on a daily basis right like oh, I'm not gonna have orange juice that's too much sugar or if they do it'll just be small but like I'll go have a bottle of wine but they don't think about it in the same terms yeah. right well, okay, so that's what I did. So for years, when I was trying to moderate my drinking, yeah. is I would do the 21-day challenges. I would sign up for sprint triathlons. I would do the Bikram Yoga 90 days. All of these things. Um, so I would do what I think Annie Grace calls the alcohol diet. Yeah. So, I, you know, it was all for being more healthy and losing weight. But then as soon as I would accomplish that goal or that event would be over, I would be back exactly where I was before, you know, drinking again. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one that yeah. Well, no, there yeah, is. That's, there, a, that's a common cycle. That is a common cycle. And oh. I see that a lot with you know, a lot of the Instagram people, the sober people that I follow too, like they, similar story. Like I drank all the green juice. I went to all the exercise classes. I was not your typical like person that had a bad habits with alcohol, but I did. I would do all of that and then drink a bottle of wine every night. It's just this like counterproductive cycle you get stuck in. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, when I did end up quitting for a hundred days, well, when I thought it was just going to be a hundred days, that's all I did is I pulled out alcohol. I kept absolutely everything the same and actually I stopped going to yoga and stopped meditating I was just like that's all I'm I'm just gonna change that and I ate really poorly during that time and everything but it was just like this is the thing this is the only thing that I haven't tried to eliminate Mm -hmm. solely for just eliminating that thing and not to lose weight not for anything I just wanted to see how it would change who um you know who I was as a being that makes a lot of sense because I think we layer it we normally layer it with a bunch of other things and so even what you were saying about your parenting, like giving yourself a break with parenting, treating it like 
doing some of the babysitter thing, like giving mm-hmm. yourself instead of trying to be a great parent, do a whole thirty, yeah. quit alcohol, and go to the yoga studio every day for thirty days. Yeah. Like just simplify and focus on that one thing, and then also then you'll know if I'm feeling better. I know that the only thing that I've changed is alcohol. So there's Absolutely. nothing I can really do to say, well, maybe it was the green juices every day or yeah. the yoga or, and those are all great, great things. That'd be kind of nice to have one thing that you're measuring. Yeah, absolutely. And there is this thing called decision fatigue that you guys have heard about that. So it's when you, <laughs> I get that every day. Oh my gosh. I'm like, please, I can't decide what we're having for dinner. Exactly. Oh my gosh. My life is like decision fatigue. Right. So imagine if you're doing that with all of the foods and right. then also alcohol, right? And so we usually drink alcohol at the end of the day. So you um, you know, you go and you have a brunch with your girlfriends and there, there's a pastry there and you're like, no, I'm not eating, I'm not eating gluten and sweets today. And then you, you have to figure out what's for lunch. Anyway, you're making a hundred decisions all day long. And then by the end of the day, you have to decide whether you're going to drink alcohol or not. And you're done. And there was a study that was, that was done on nurses. And it was at the beginning of the shift, they were offered a healthy snack and cookies and they always chose the healthy snack. And by the end of the shift, 99% chose the cookies because they were just done mm-hmm. making decisions. And we as moms make so many decisions all day long um, that, yeah. And so, you know, and that's an easier decision like, that we think would make us yeah. feel better. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that's so interesting. It does. Okay, so when we're thinking about, for most, you know, for, as women are thinking about this alcohol piece, it, you know, you always think first, like we talked about earlier, to the things you're going to give up. Like, oh my gosh, but what about... If I get invited to a wedding or what about the party I'm going to next week? But what can a woman expect to be adding into her life? What are some of the positive side effects you see in working with your clients yeah. that women are getting to add in or experience on a positive note? Yeah. So the biggest one is joy. And I think it's so beautiful that we usually do an intake at the very beginning and then 100 days later. And um, people are happier. They're just fundamentally more happy. They're more connected with their family. They're more connected with themselves. They're more connected with their God or universe or whatever that they believe in. And um, and then all the other stuff is just secondary, where they feel more energetic and they have ended up <laughs> losing some weight. Their skin looks brighter. People actually comment on the way their their skin looks usually, and um, and so that's the biggest thing, joy. That's beautiful. In our society, I think there isn't a single person who'd be like, I don't really need any more <laughs> joy right now. I'm pretty like yeah. I think we I think in a lot of ways we're all searching for that, and mm-hmm. sometimes that's why we're using because we associate alcohol. We forget it's a depressant. And we just associate it with this kind of um, fictional good time. Like, hooray, confetti, funny, we're laughing, we're dancing like crazy. It's just this, like... So what about the people that are, like, oh, my gosh, I don't think I could have any fun. Like, what do you... How do you coach people through that? Yeah. Well, you need to really look at that, right? So what is... Why can't you have fun without drinking? Is it because that you're an introvert and that you actually don't enjoy going to parties or hanging out with people, um, you know, for more than a couple of hours? Then you start honoring that, mm-hmm. and 
Um, and then you, you you might stay home a little bit more or find other things that are that do provide you joy. So most of the time what happens is, is that we think it's the way to have fun. And then we've forgotten about all of the other really great ways that we used to have fun when we were younger. Yeah. So think back. Did you used to hang out with your girlfriends, um, you know, in your room when you were in high school and college in the dorm room and then just die with laughter over something really silly and ridiculous, more than likely alcohol wasn't involved at that mm-hmm. time. So why can't we have that again? Yeah. You know, and so it's really discovering what makes us joyful, what makes us happy. Right. And yeah, okay, it's true. Like the first couple of times you go to a wedding and you're the only one not drinking, maybe not so fun, so much fun, but you get you get over that because you, you then really think about, you know, I'm going to go to bed tonight and I'm going to sleep really well. I'm going to wake up the next morning and I'm going to go to that yoga class that I really wanted to go to um, versus regretting maybe having that one last glass. Yeah. I love that. I like use the exercise of like role playing in my head Mm. um, and it works really well. I'm like, okay, if I were to drink right now and then I like play out the night and the next Mm. day and I always have talked myself out of it and I haven't even been really tempted, but like the times where I'm, you know, this summer at the pool with a friend, I'm like, okay, if I were to have a drink right now, we're only going to be at the pool for an hour. I would go home. I would be so tired. Yeah. I would feel disconnected from my kids. I'd be crabby at them. I'd be worthless the rest of the day. Yeah. And, and, you know, just playing it out in our heads, it's so good because it's just like that short window of time where we think we really need it. And then you get past that. Like, I don't know. I would encourage everyone to just like give it 30 minutes. Or it is, I read in that book too, like the first 15 minutes at any social function are awkward whether you're drinking or not and I've and I think just like going through experiences without drinking is just helps you realize you don't need to because you don't know what you don't know right so going to a happy hour everyone's kind of feeling awkward the first 15 minutes they all get a drink and then suddenly everyone's great and I'm like great cheers you know yeah (laughs) like it's totally fine and then um but it's just like our mental uh practice of going through all of that yeah, absolutely. And I love the play it forward game. Yeah. That's so important because we know exactly how it's going to look if we drink. So it's mm-hmm. not like we're creating this false false um, belief. We know what exactly what it's going to look like. But but we don't really know what it's going to look like yeah. if we don't drink. And yeah. that's what's so fun. And always you're going to have that that time where you where you mentioned that you're um you're, you you never say like I wish I wouldn't have had I wish I would have not drank last night the yeah. next day so yeah ever I don't ever. think that's oh, ever I happened I had more drinks no like I wish I had had just like one more two more right ever oh my gosh okay so talk to us about your coaching program and mm. how you're helping people and how people can get connected with you um, I think that's great and I yes. I mean I really feel like having your supportive network around you when you're changing your lifestyle yeah. is set you up for success. Yeah, absolutely. I just read this statistic today, actually, that 65% of people reach their goal if they commit and then tell somebody out loud that they're going to commit to, um, you know, not drinking for 100 days or a workout program. The other thing is if they have an accountability partner, it increases their risk, I mean, their chance of uh, reaching the goal by 95%. It's 95% if you have an accountability partner. So there are a couple ways that I work. I work one-on-one, so usually that's the, uh, I get people to 100 days without drinking. And um, and then I also have group programs, small group programs with women. I keep them small because I want it to be really intimate. And we have, um, off social media, we have a group that meets 
on like a, on an app called Marco Polo where people can really in real time get feedback about certain situations. Yeah. And actually, my next group is starting September 9th. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, so that's going to be really really fun. And a lot of women I that join my programs are from the Austin area, which I think is just super super cool to be local like that. So the programs, basically what we do is we kind of break down the why you drink, why you don't drink, get into that really, that subconscious mind and those beliefs, and and then work through it. Um, and we talk really go in depth about alcohol in the body and uh, the way that it affects women in particular and the hormones and our brain and memory. and. Um, but we just have a lot of fun, really, because we do a once a week online um, through Zoom group coaching and everyone gets to really um, hear each other's stories and break them down and become really close. It's, 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 it's really the best It's time. probably nice to share the story, too, because I bet people feel really isolated, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is just me. It's not affecting other people. It's really like, okay, I have one question. I'm going to backtrack. I forgot someone asked us. What about, and I know a lot of it's just, you know, social media news, all these articles, you need a glass of champagne a day, wine for your heart health. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, interesting. Wine for, all of it's pretty much been debunked. Mm -hmm. Um, Wine for heart um, health, just like any, you know, you can eat some blueberries or some grapes. Actually, like I think it's a cup or two of grapes that will have the same benefit as drinking wine. Um, but the thing is, is that what they're not putting in there is the piece of increased risk of breast cancer and prostate cancer in men and colon cancer and all of these other risks. So it may protect your heart, but what is it not protecting and mm-hmm. what is it increasing your risk for? Right. Um, so, but a lot of that is based on, we have to actually look at who, um, who supported the research and, but all of that is really becoming a, a, a myth. The marketing. Yes. I know. But it's always the articles you see that are the most shared, right? The ones about breast cancer risk, people are certainly like, because it's not supporting, right? Like, you draw people and things close to you that are going to support the habits that you want to continue doing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I collect those habits about coffee, and that's like my next device (laughs) that I want to bring. We're not going to do a caffeine (laughs) challenge. Sorry. We love our coffee. That's where it has to stop. And I think we have noticed, I mean, even in just the last five to ten years, marketing has taken a really specific turn toward women. Where, I mean, Lacey and I will text pictures to each other. We'll be standing in in line at Nordstrom, and it's all these sparkly backpacks that are like rosé all day. And, like, just when did this become Target? Yeah. There was something about a hang, like a coffee mug and something about, like, a mom and a hangover or just something where. And, again, like, it's not in a judgmental way, but it's just kind of that, like, Oh, let's turn our minds on and just see, like, who is benefiting off of women drinking more? Why are they specifically marketing to us? Like, what is it about, you know, have we just not drank as much as men in the past? So they see this brilliant area of mass profit? Yeah, that's actually it. That's exactly it. So I think it was in the... In the 80s, where they called alcohol pops came in, where it was like the Zima. Oh, you guys yeah. remember that? Um, yes. <laughs> now it's white pop. 
I saw <laughs> yeah, exactly. like, like someone was like, um, I saw this meme of someone like unzipping like a white claw, like it, like it had a coat on, and there was a zima under it. You know, like That's it was like hilarious. <laughs> oh, so funny! Just come right back. Yeah, it was like exactly. really, it's just a zima with like a different cap yeah. on it. Anyway, it was funny. So that's what they noticed. They noticed that women weren't drinking, and so they started advertising towards women and creating these sweet drinks. Um, and now there's the, all the different flavor vodkas, and so yeah, we are definitely being marketed towards. And I think we're being marketed towards in in the sense of that parenting is hard, and we need it mm-hmm. to get through a night with our children. Um, when in reality, when I removed alcohol, it was actually way easier, and I didn't feel as bad if they were going to play a game on the iPad. Like before, I'd feel so guilty if they were going to watch any sort of screen. Um, because I wasn't a good parent, and now I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, you know? like I am present. I am here for you. Yeah. Get on the iPad for 20 minutes, you know. So, yeah, it makes. It I, actually makes. Yeah, I felt that exact same way. I told Christy too. Like I feel like I became such a more mellow parent, and um, and I even before I kind of when I was still drinking, I would tell people like, oh man, I really think drinking creates actually more stress because you're just I would it would just put off things at night. I'm yeah. just gonna have wine, mm-hmm. and it would you know, make me check out, but I do just feel so much more mellow and able to handle them in just like a calm, not feeling irritable, just... And the other thing, and I hear this a lot, but I'm more, I hear that I'm more fun when I'm drinking mom. So I'm the more, I'm the funner mom when I'm drinking. And I actually felt that way too. Um, And there's a couple things about that. One is that's just really not my personality. I'm not a total goofball like all the time, you know, mm-hmm. like I would kind of do it's like more silly things than I had been drinking. Um, but then also now I'm connecting to my kids. Like they can see what my real personality is, you know, where I have like a little bit of sarcasm, you know, or yeah. I'll like give them like winks or, and then now they're like, they can pick up on the cues of kind of who really mom is, you know, versus like this woman who I was pretending to be I didn't know I was pretending I mean at all like I really thought that I was kind of this goofier person when in reality I'm just like more of like the you know the dark humor kind of kind yeah. of person and they're so. connecting with your authentic yes, self exactly yeah. and they they get it more because mm-hmm. they I'm more um um like consistent yeah, yeah exactly I'm more consistent mm-hmm. I'm showing up more consistently and trust me, like, I have bad days and all of that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I can say it to them, too. I'm having yeah. a bad day. You right. Know, and we get it. Yes. And we move on. And I don't think we think a lot. I mean, I know in our community, just what we're modeling to our kids yes. when we yes. are modeling, I can't handle life. I can't handle you. Um, and it's all, like, it can be all covert. Like, not. But, um, and then also just giving our kids that permission to be vulnerable, to make connections with people, to be authentic to who our personality is. I love what you said earlier about maybe you're going to discover that you're actually an introvert and that's okay. Like that, that when you're able to live authentically out of who you are, you are being such a great example for your kids Mm -hmm. because we're going to blink and they are going to be in that moment where high school's overwhelmed, junior high for the love. I mean, it's all overwhelming and they, you know, don't know how to make connection and they are stressed out. And so if they've seen us self-medicating in that way or trying to turn off um, or only socializing around alcohol, again, not in a judgmental way at all, but just just remembering that even if it's hard, we're modeling something so beautiful for our kids mm-hmm. to at least see us being our true selves. Yeah. Again, not easy, but yeah, there's so easy. many payoffs <laughs> yeah. for it. 
Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if this has piqued your interest at all in curiosity toward what your life might be like, I mean, we highly recommend. We we are doing a sober September, but it is just more of a like, woo woo, you can do it. We're all doing it together. Um, Camille actually has resources. I love the idea of being in an intimate group with women. Um, before our podcast we recorded last week, Lacey and I just like briefly shared our stories with each other mm. off script. And it was just, it was really cool. Like, totally different stories, lots of similar threads, mm. but things that you would think like, oh, I didn't know another woman. Oh, mm. oh, I did that too. Oh my gosh, I used to be, or I still am. Or there's just something really beautiful in community. Because I think that's another thing. I, alcohol tends to isolate us mm -hmm. because we think if people only knew yeah. just how much I was really drinking or just yeah. how much mm -hmm. I can't handle my life or just how horrible I feel when I wake up, mm -hmm. you know, what would they think of me? How would they? And really, more than likely, we're all, you know, the human yeah. experience is very, there's a lot of similarities in it. Yeah, that, exactly. Um, so I love yeah. that. Yeah, I always um, encourage women not to compare themselves to somebody else. Um, in the sense of saying, well, they can they can drink normally, quote unquote, because you never know what somebody does when they go home, mm -hmm. and that's really. I mean, my best friend when I told her that I quit drinking, she says, "But wait a minute, you don't drink that much." And I'm like, "Well, first of all, you would always drive when we would go and have dinner, but I would come home and then have another couple glasses of wine." She had no idea. Right. No one would would have suspect that suspected that I was you know drinking the amount that I was. So and what's normal drinking like that? Totally. I mean, what does that changed. mean? That's yeah. changed. Like it's yeah. just going up yeah. and up and up and up. And, yep. Um, I we're also encouraging people this month to really like live out their lives. Like I feel like in dry mm -hmm. January, people just hold up because they're mm -hmm. like, oh, it's easier just to stay at home. So we're gonna encourage like meeting up, challenging people to like. Go to a happy hour and have, you know, mocktails. Meet a friend for coffee. Like, do different things. Like, instead That's of awesome. going to happy hour, invite your friend to go for a walk. Or just to, just like you said, mixing it up and trying different habits. Um, instead of just holding up. Like, I, before, like, one time when I had given up alcohol for a short period of time, I was a DD at a concert mm -hmm. and everyone else was hammered. And I just had such a restriction mentality. And it was literally the most miserable night. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm missing out. And they're having fun. I was like, let's go. I was just so frustrated. Instead of, like, shifting the mindset of, oh, I'm, of all the positives, like, I feel like that mindset shift is really going to, like, make or break you. Because if you just go into it restriction, yeah. you're going to you're gonna feel whatever you think, right? Yeah. So if you think you're missing out, you're going to feel like you are missing out. So you got to tell your mind, like, different things. Yeah, I'm absolutely. coaching myself right now. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love I'm like, it. like, I'm talking through this. But to your point, it's too, so and good. I think Annie said in the book is if you find yourself going to things and you're like, well, it's just not fun without alcohol, you have to reevaluate, like, is that actually, what is that even fun anyway? Right. Or was I tolerating it by drinking? Exactly. Right? So there have exactly. been situations that I've found out where I'm like, oh, you know what? I actually, I mean, I actually am more of an introvert than I had thought, but yeah. also, like, I don't think I would really like that anyway. I right. didn't have a good time, but, like, that's probably not my shtick anyway. I would just go because other people were going, and I would drink to make it through it. So yeah, absolutely. Maybe when you're evaluating the fun factor, like you said, yeah. looking at that also. Yeah, I noticed that I have a two-hour limit. Like, I am great. I love socializing and hanging out with people and getting to know them. And then at, two, at like, two hours in, I'm like, okay, time to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm full. Yeah. <laughs> Like a pumpkin. Yeah, I, like exactly, exactly. I might have to do an Irish goodbye. You might not know how I <laughs> Exactly. When before, I would be the last one there. I mean, it was just like, I would just, I'm still there. I'm still here. Right. Let's, let's hang out and talk. 
So, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of, you know, defining who you are and, and really who you want to be, you know? And I think that's so not what I, I want to be with when I grow up, but, like, who do I want to be? Who do you want to be? Who I do I want to model? Who do, you know, who do I want to show up for um, for my friends, my family, myself? Mm-hmm. Creating that new identity and being able to be the kind of artist of your own. Yeah, values. Story. Really values. Okay, checking out your values and if drinking aligns with those values. That's awesome. Okay, so... ThinkBeyondTheDrink.com. Ladies, if you're curious at all, we really, really encourage you to go to Camille's website um, on Insta or ThinkBeyondTheDrink. Group is starting September 9th. This is going out 11th the 12th, so Mm -hmm. it will be just slightly beyond, but you do these small groups regularly, Mm -hmm. one-on-one coaching at any point in time. And we highly recommend you partnering up. If you are, um, if this has spoken to you, if you've become more intrigued or just want to dive deeper, linking up with someone who has resources for you is so imperative. Yeah, I love that accountability accountability piece. That yeah. you have accountability, you said 95%? 95%. And it's just more fun. I totally believe that. Yeah. And I think just even starting to follow you on Instagram, like you post such encouraging things that aren't judgmental and you're not like in people's face, but just inspirational from where you stand and you're such a, like a natural leader, so. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you talking to us. This was fun. Yeah.